Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. And we're very honored to be interviewing B. Kayser, who's a noted author in Palm Beach. And there was a beautiful article on B. Kayser. And she's back by popular demand as she's been on this program before. Uh, this article was in Chart Magazine, and it's headlined, Palm Beach History Office, Fairbanks Kaiser. And it reads, Courtesy still lives in Palm Beach. How can you beat old-fashioned manners? Of course, you can't beat the weather. I swim every single day. I'm the daughter of a former U.S. ambassador at large. My mother was a collateral of the 6th Marquise of Donegal with my British husband, whose family included three peers. I lived many years in London and Oxfordshire. We later moved to Guernsey and Monaco, where we spent 10 years. I've written more than 1,000 travel and society articles. To quote Oscar Wilde, to be in society is merely a bore, but to be out of it is simply a tragedy. Our guest today Beatrice Kayser, let's talk about your newly expanded version of your first book about this area, Tales of Palm Beach. I wrote it in 1967, and I had a huge party given to me in a tent for about 600 people, and they all bought the book and they passed it around, and it helped me a great deal because at that time I was writing a column. And it was not a gossip column, as some people said. It was not a gossip column at all. It simply was a reflection of the life that we live here in Palm Beach, which is mostly charity party. This is the town that gives more charity money than almost any, and our population is minimal compared to the big cities where they also have big charitable contributions. It's amazing what's raised in this little town, even this year, with the pandemic, we've had a lot of virtual charity balls and virtual charity luncheons. Thank goodness, because it's been very tough on the charities with the pandemic, believe me. People don't think of it, but that's what they exist on. And they're helping the poor, the undernourished, the people who don't uh, have some kind of health insurance. It's a wonderful thing to help charities. And that's been one of my favorite things to do all my life, whatever country I live in. Now, I would like to talk about some of the countries I've lived in. Please. Uh, I started out in uh, looking at a travel light that said, travel, 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 right outside my university. So when I got my BA degree, which I started at Barnard, and for health reasons I had to transfer, so I'm considered a Barnard College graduate by Barnard College. 
I decided to travel, and I was invited with a former president of Ecuador and his wife, who was my godmother. And they had uh, left Ecuador under political reasons. He was more or less taken by each elbow and put on a plane for Colombia. And I went and stayed with them, and they gave me a huge debut party there. Took the whole big ballroom of the Hotel Granada, which later was burned down in a revolution. And I uh, met many attractive, lovely people. And I eventually married one of them, Alfred Holguin Bumbo. And we had three children together in Colombia. And things deteriorated there because they did have one revolution after the other during a civil war that lasted something almost 30 years. And I lived during 25 years of it, always in fear of my life. We couldn't travel outside the city because they were bandits, and the bandits were actually revolutionaries. It was a tough time to be living in Colombia, particularly in the Bogota region. Well, I managed, and I stayed there until I felt my children needed a, a more complacent life, and I moved with my children back home to Palm Beach, Florida, where my mother had a home on Australian Avenue. I joined the Everglades Club Junior Committee, and I stayed there for several years. I was too old to be a junior member. So I haven't been an adult member uh, of the Everglades, but I did join the Basin Tennis Club when I married my English husband because he was a club person. He belonged to seven different clubs in <laughs> and in the countryside. And he was also master of foxhounds, which I don't think you consider a club, but mm -hmm. it's very important in England. We had a wonderful life together. We traveled a lot together. His family company owned steamships, which had started out in, from India to England about 1875, I think, and they were partly paddle wheel and partly steam. I have a picture of the first one. Very interesting company. They went to South Africa mostly, but they also had Asian ports they visited. And it was wonderful to uh, travel on the ships. I only went as far as the Canary Islands ever on our ships, but I did take the trips two or three times and took a friend of mine, the Andrews, from Palm Beach on one of them, and she had a wonderful time. It's nice to be on a ship when your husband is a director. Well, I have a nice picture of that if you want to see it. And then I decided uh, to live a little more in the United States and less in England. And my husband's health was deteriorating. And a doctor told him in London that wherever he was going to go next, he would have to stay the rest of his life. And he chose Palm Beach, which is a very big compliment because he could have chosen South France very easily. We had many friends there. And he could have gone to one of the countries where his ships come in every Friday. No, he didn't do that either. He chose Palm Beach, and Palm Beach welcomed him with arms open. And we're very, very fond of my husband. And even into the very last of his 90th year, he was very much loved here in Palm Beach. He joined the Bass and Tennis. We swam there every day, and we gave a lot of cocktail parties. But I have, in more recent years, preferred to give luncheons because I have a very good, loyal cook, and people love to eat her food. Right, Maria? <laughs> yep. Yes. Anyway, we've had a good life, and now I am married to a man who is very proud to have been in the U.S. Air Force, 
one point he even flew a plane, a DC-7, I think it was, and um, was mostly in Iceland and Greenland, and it's a tough place to spend four years, but he did. And uh, we have a very happy life together. We have many friends. His, his, my friends embrace him totally, and he has friends from his various companies, and uh, very much loved also in Palm Beach. Now, my life consisted of being a mother for many years. In 1970, I married my English husband, and I stopped mothering so much where I had sort of put everything else on hold. I took my three children with me to England. My new husband just adored the children. He never had any. And they loved him too. And they had a terrific life. I mean, we had racehorses that were winning. And people, Claudia, for instance, led in one at one at Royal Ascot. She won. She led in the horse at one. And uh, Jeannie had a wonderful life there and married an Englishman that she met during her years in England. We really did have a lovely life. We had a house in the country in Oxfordshire, and we had a shooting estate in Scotland where we had broken some records in shooting grouse. Now, if you had a camera that could take a picture of it, I've got a picture of a grouse right over there by Sartorius, yes. Now, grouse are very difficult to shoot because they zigzag. They aren't like mm -hmm. pheasants that go up in an arc. Shooting people understand what I'm talking about. Hanging prey are not easy to kill. But anyway, I'm so glad when they didn't kill too many birds. It was terrible for me, a bird lover, big time. And when I went to college in the University of Arizona, I took a bird all the way from New York to Tucson. And it saved me, I'm sure, from being pursued by too many uh, boys in the Army, because it was wartime and it was terrible because I had my birdcage in the chair next to me. <laughs> I'm sure it was very illegal because every seat was taken during the war on the trains. But there was my bird. He was there with me the whole time I was in Arizona. My pal. Uh, we're going to take a little break for just a moment. Uh, we're interviewing a noted author in Palm Beach, Florida with her husband, President, uh, Beatrice Fairbanks Kayser. And uh, you're listening to ESPN AM 1520. And we reach everywhere between Montreal, going south to northern Florida and west of Mississippi. If you have any thoughts or comments, please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Buffalo, New York, 14226. I'd like to thank those who have called regarding our recent guests, Ambassador Ronald Gidwitz, Ed Cox, President Nixon's son-in-law, Congressman Jacobs, and we'll have coming up Rich Huberg with a CBS affiliate in Buffalo. And ESPN 1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN1520.com, and clicking on the radio.com or listen tab. And Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Eagle has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading The Ampol Eagle. The Ampol Eagle is available in many Tops and Wegman stores for home delivery. Call 716-835-9454 
That's 716-835-9454. Have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And uh, talking about dancing, polka dancing, our guest today, B. Kayser, used to do square dancing with Marjorie Merriweather Post. A little bit more information in this article with Chart Magazine. Uh, her book, Tales of Palm Beach, written 60 years later, New Tales of Palm Beach, includes chapters on Dina Merrill, Donald Trump, Christopher Plummer, and Rudy Giuliani. And so many of the subjects of her first book are still notable in Palm Beach today. So we're going to talk now about her uh, new book. It's a newly expanded version of the first book, Tales of Palm Beach. What is that all about, B. Kayser? I was very careful. I didn't want any crooks who made their money in a nasty way. I was very solicitous when I call and interview people to be sure I was getting the truth because a lot of people embroider or leave out important details <laughs> that ought to be known and I might not want them in my book. But I was very happy to have people I admired. Mary Sanford was one of them. She always so kind to everybody. One of her disciples was Brownie McLean, who learned from Mary Sanford how to be kind and wonderful to everybody, never said a mean word ever in her life about anybody, which is such a great thing. No gossip. Knew everybody. Everybody loved her. That's a good way to be loved. You think you're going to be admired for knowing all the gossip. No. People will remember and they will gossip about you. I think it's very interesting to look at the great people in Palm Beach. Many of the men have been chairmen of large corporations, one side of the other, Atlantic the Pacific. The ladies have been the doyens of society and the towns they come from, whether it be Dayton, Ohio, or Newport, or, well, Washington, D.C., we have lots of those. Now, I really do believe that Palm Beach has magnetized very worthwhile people because of the weather, yes, but also our wonderful clubs that we have here, each one of them with a superior group of chefs and a very loyal, I mean like 40, 60 years, I've seen the same people at the bath and tennis. Literally, there was one lady, 92, who had worked all her life at the bath and tennis and I'd known her all mine. People last here when they do the right thing and they don't gossip and they do give to charity and they do open their doors. I know several ladies who brought down very expensive interior decorators from New York and they had scalamandre silks and they had all the best things and they never invited anybody home. Who needed that? That was for their joy to see their beautiful silk upholstery. What a, a nonsense. Invite people, even if you're sitting on rattan chairs that cost 10 bucks from Sears Roebuck or something. The important thing is people like to be in a home. They like to see how you live. They like to taste your little biscuits that you made yourself. It's quite extraordinary how hospitality matters in Palm Beach. People think they buy a lot of tickets to the big balls, take a whole table at each one, They'll be beloved. What makes you beloved is sharing your home. The old hospitality, the weary traveler through life who comes into your front door. 
even if you don't have a back door. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, I have about five doors, but I have a big, strong husband who makes sure nobody comes in any of them. <laughs> I would like to talk to you more about our lovely, lovely Palm Beach people. People used to think that if you joined the bath and tennis, you were automatically top society and automatically a very nice person, and I'm sure they are that as well. But to get into a really good club here, the Everglades or whichever, beach club, you sailfish club, you do have to have given to charity, and you do have to be a kind, hospitable person, or maybe you'll just get a little note for the directors. That hasn't happened to many people that I know, but one lady, she has not been able to continue her sojourns at the boat at the principal clubs in Palm Beach because she's always trying to prove people's husbands. Oh my that goodness. is not very popular in Palm Beach, but it is a long time pastime from a long way back. Mr. Joe Kennedy Sr. was very bad that way. He was always trying to get other ladies into his bed. And at one point, he wanted to get a famous movie star into his bed, but she had married a French marquis. And the French marquis had a very jealous eye. So what did Joe Kennedy do? He tried to find out what that man really enjoyed doing, and it turned out he liked to fish. So he arranged, and this is in my book, mm -hmm. for the man to go out and <laughs> deep sea fishing for a nice seven, eight hours at least. Way out the Gulf Stream, pulling in the fish, while he pulled in the man's wife. And that was Aaron Hopkins, a very famous movie star. And that is in several books, not just mine. Unfortunately, I do believe they were true. I do think he embarrassed his children a lot. I went to school at Marymount Terrytown with one of his daughters. I was much younger than she was. I mean, like 10 years younger, more than 10 years. Let me see, I was 11 and she was 19. That's eight years younger than she was. And she was very embarrassed by the fact her father brought ladies home, mother in the house, and would go visit the guest room. And that was very hard on Mrs. Kennedy because of course she knew when there were so many instances of it, of that. I don't like to speak ill of anybody, and I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but Mr. Joseph Kennedy was a well-known roué here in Palm Beach. And uh, when his son uh, was wandering around... <laughs> You're talking about Teddy? No, I'm talking about our president. Okay. Jack Kennedy was not exactly partial to being a wallflower. He liked the ladies, too. But Jackie had handled that quite well. And they say that when he was trying to make it with some girls in the swimming pool at the White House, why, she just happened to find her bathing suit was in the corner of the closet and put it on. And the word would go down, Mrs. Kennedy coming to the bailing, Mrs. Kennedy coming to the pool, Mrs. Kennedy's at the pool. And all those girls had to get out of it, but fasto. <laughs> That's in my book, and I'm sure it is true. When I was a young um, widow, and I came to this town, I was warned, don't ever go out with Jack Kennedy. He was a senator then. He's uh, dangerous. Uh, take yourself to the movies. Don't go with him. <laughs> they had a lot of movies at their house. All Joe Kennedy liked to uh, put on movies, 
Now, some of the people in Palm Beach, big socialites, because Jack Kennedy and his family were not considered top socialites, not at that time. Much as I admire Eunice Kennedy, think the world of her, I don't think they were ever considered really top-notch society. In fact, they weren't. <laughs> and that is the society as it is speaking. But, of course, after Jack uh, was president, and his father had died, I think Mrs. Kennedy Sr.'s position improved immensely. I think so. And uh, I certainly think Eunice, whom I admired for many reasons, one of, not least of them, that she's the mother of Maria Shriver, who is the most forgiving wife I've ever heard of, having five children by a, her esteemed actor husband, who had nothing when he came to America because he knew how to raise very heavy barbells and things of that sort and showed off his physique. Eventually became governor twice, I believe, of California and is even trying right. to be it now. We're going to take a little break for just a moment. Our guest today is B. Kayser, and she has a new book uh, coming out. And this is a newly expanded version of her first book, and we're talking about that, Tales of Palm Beach. If you're listening in northern Florida, Washington, Buffalo, or Toronto, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio. 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. Uh, this article in Chart Magazine tells of B. Kazar, and it reads, One of my favorite people was Eunice Kennedy. I consider her to be among the best of the Kennedy clan. She was truly a good woman. She was very unpretentious. Once she wore a dress made entirely of paper. She tried desperately to prevent her sister Kate Kick Kennedy from continuing her affair with Lord Fitzwilliam, but Kick and her illicit lover met their demise in a fatal plane crash. Again, the book will be coming out soon, a newly expanded version of the first book, Tales of Palm Beach. Uh, uh, B. Kayser, how has Palm Beach changed in the last 50 years? How is it different today? Well, I think society has changed. I don't think you uh, are as uh, intolerant of new people, and people who are not in the social register. I think society has accepted uh, people who were exceptional, but who really perhaps did not deserve any old uh, idea of what society was. Um, society in New York, and I know my great aunt was one who attended it, uh, depended on 400 people who could fit in Mrs. Astor's ballroom. And if you weren't in that ballroom, you were not in society in New York. Fortunately, my great aunt made it. <laughs> yes. But uh, society in Palm Beach has changed so much. Uh, money has made a big difference. Although I read in the Palm Beach Daily News yesterday the list of many, I think it's 137 billionaires that live here in Palm Beach for some time every winter. And uh, none of those <laughs> seem to belong to many of the clubs. And I have met quite a few of them, the Cokes, yes, and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's quite amazing how many enormously wealthy people have not been accepted in today's society because they weren't in the old days, and apparently they aren't that much now either. Because, my goodness, there were these 137 billionaires, and who knew them? Didn't know many of them. The Lauders, well, dear Estee, she was a wonderful hard worker. She told me how she, she told me personally 
how she went to uh, Texas and went to Marshall Field, and uh, they asked one girl, who are you from? She said, Elizabeth Arden, meaning she worked for Elizabeth Arden. And then she said, and who are you? And she said, Estee Lauder. And she said, well, uh, you are next. You can talk next. But I think the girl from Estee Lauder is more important, uh, from Elizabeth Arden is more important. She didn't realize she was speaking to Estee Lauder. Mm. She really worked very hard for her corporation. And now both her sons are billionaires. Even her grandchildren are billionaires listed on this list, four of them, four sons mm -hmm. and granddaughters. Amazing what she made just out of what? Lipstick, perfume, of course. And uh, I remember when her first perfume came out, and it was supposed to be an aphrodisiac, and that's how it was sold, but not in its ads, of course. <laughs> By word of mouth, and word of mouth is very important when you're talking about aphrodisiacs. Oh, we've had some very interesting people here who have made it entirely out of hard work. Now, two and I have personal, very much admiration. Uh, the surviving Koch brother, his brother uh, having died this year of cancer, the Koch's father made his money by making uh, large refineries in Nazi Germany and in Soviet Russia. And that's not hearsay. Google it. Sure. So uh, that's a different kind of money making. And this, we're not involved in that, in that generation, but that's how the elder Coke raked up so much money. Now, I like to think when my father used to say, how did they make their money? Because we did have uh, an example, and I'm not going to use a name, of somebody who actually got into the Everglades Club who worked for Al Capone. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he did not uh, go out with machine guns and stuff, but he was his auditor or looked at his taxes, which, of course, is how they caught him eventually. They caught Al Capone due to his income tax, which he had paid. Uh, but this man, apparently, that was what he did. And he had two children here, a son and a daughter, who had been embraced by young society and were very popular. And it was terrible how they had to sort of outlive their... I'm sorry, but we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We've had a fascinating interview with famous author B. Kayser, backed by popular demand. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production. And thank you for teaching us so much about Palm Beach and your great career as a writer. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.